Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, your Dana Osband, our Daf of the day, Masachet Yivamot, Daf Kaf, page 20. So, we have a Mishnah on our on Ahmed Aleph, and um, it's an, I like this Mishnah in part because it begins with a principle, right? We've been having so many case after case, lists of cases, right? And then theoretically from there, we can derive principles or 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 engage in hypotheticals about what the cases, what the principles might be. Here it opens by saying, Klal Amru We've got a principle about Yevama. And this is the general statement that they want to say, that the mission wants to say, Kol Shehi Isur Erva Lo Choletzit so anybody who has um, in the relationship, right, is a prohibition of a forbidden relation to the Yavam, other than the obvious Eishat Ach uh, um, prohibition that is, you know, the, the foundation of Yibum. Um, so then that Yavam doesn't do Chalitza or she doesn't do Chalitza to him and Lomit and there's no Yibum either, meaning that it's completely exempt. Isur Mitzvah, V'isur Kidusha. If she's forbidden, meaning if there's a prohibition that is forbidden because of a mitzvah, or one because of kedusha, which is going to, you know, the gemara is going to get into it, right? So then, likewise, I'm sorry, not likewise. In that case, she would do chalitza and not have yibum. Okay, meaning, so the the principle here leaves us, you know, to delve in to figure out exactly what are the cases where the principle would apply. But at least it's a rule of thumb to understand that there are plenty on plenty, there are certain exemptions where Yibum would not is not only is not expected to take place, it would be prohibited from taking place. Okay, so now the Mishnah has another example and it's for another principle. What Achotasha Yivimta. Now this is already like a more complicated example. We have two sisters who are married to two brothers. Okay, the two brothers die, and there's a third brother who now theoretically would have to do yibum for both of these sisters, but that's not that's a complicated thing, right? Especially if it happens at exactly the same time, let's say, just for the sake of the case that the two brothers die, what's going to happen? Well, this is a case. The the question is, should he do chalitza or what? The issue is as follows: one of these sisters is somehow prohibited to the third brother by virtue of some other relationship, meaning maybe it's by virtue of his own marriage that prohibits the one sister but not the other sister, right? It's it's a, a tricky thing to figure it out. One possibility is, let's say that, you know, it's another generation even, and he, the third brother, has married, let's say, the second, one of these two women's, one of these two sisters' daughters, right, just as a hypothetical. And then he can't do Yibu Markali, he can't do Yibu with the mother of, his daughter, of his wife, who is her, her daughter, right? That does not, that's prohibited. That's a prohibited relationship, going back to the principle that's, in, you know, stated outright at the beginning of the Mishnah. So what happens? So then in this case, the sister who is the Yavama, meaning, right, the, the, they are both sisters and they are sisters-in-law, fundamentally, right, does Chalitza or enters into a Yibum relationship, meaning one or the other, right? Because they can't both do Yibum. So one of them is prohibited to him, and therefore she's never like part of the story at all. And then the other one will do yibum, or for that matter, could do chalitza because that's one of the possibilities. Now the Mishnah goes on, isur mitzvah. Going back to explain what what was said at the initial principle, isur mitzvah. What's a prohibition that results from a mitzvah? This is shniot midivrei sofrim. This is what they call secondary forbidden relationships. 
meaning they're prohibited drabanan. It's rabbinically prohibited as opposed to as opposed to that which is uh, specified in the Torah. And then, so for example, you could have people. You, there's a prohibition against marrying the women who are not forbidden by the Torah, but were considered still some kind of irai relationship. So that it's a it's a lesser degree than what you have in. You know, in Parashat Kedoshim, whatever um, Parashat Achremot listed as the prohibited relations, as the Arayot, but these are, in fact, whatever, they're, they're lesser, they're looser bonds, lesser prohibition, and nonetheless, we're going to end up with what's called Isor Mitzvah. Then we've got Isor Kedusha. What's a prohibition that's rooted in Kedusha, in sanctity, in holiness? So, for example, Almana Lachoin Godol. If you have a widow who cannot marry Kohen Gadol, a divorcee or somebody who has had who has done chalitza cannot marry a Kohen Hedyot, a regular Kohen who's not the Kohen Gadol, Mamzeret or Netina Yisrael. So these are all status issues, right? When we talk about Mamzeret, we've defined this already, right? This would be a woman who is born from one of these illicit uh, sexual relationships or a Netina. A Netina is one of these... Um, the the story of the Givonim, right, where they don't they're not really part of Bene Israel and so and also not converted to Bene Israel. So all of these cases, those women cannot Mamzerd and Nintina are not supposed to marry any Jew, which makes things complicated for sure. Um uh Yisrael and Atino Mamzer and it goes both ways, meaning men female Mamzer Mamzeret and Nitina cannot marry Israel and then likewise a Jewish woman is not supposed to marry an Atin or a Mamzer. Okay, so the fact is, of all of these cases, I think that the most straightforward ones for a change are actually these prohibitions by virtue of Kedusha, meaning they're not PC. They kind of go against our grain of like, but why not? You know, in modern sensibilities, why should this be a prohibition? On the other hand, the idea that there are restrictions on the Kohen Gadol, there are restrictions on the Kohen Hedyot, there are restrictions on, you know, every Jew of who they can marry is, as I said, not PC, but also very much within the scope of everything that we've been talking about long before we ever came to Yavamot. The previous cases, right, the Isor Mitzvah, uh, that's much more specific to to issues of Yavamot, and likewise, going up above, when we're talking about um, the particular cases, or when you've got forbidden relations from one to another, and how that can then, like, take one of the women out of the running to even be a concern, that's Yavamo. Those are the specifics of where is this kind of marriage or whatever we want to call this relationship, when is that prohibited and how that might open up the field for other women, let's say for Yibum or Chalitza, as we've seen in the, the middle case of this Mishnah. It's a long, complicated Mishnah. I just want to touch on the Gemara on this Mishnah because the Gemara does talk about exactly like what's going on here, right? Klaalit to Yemai. The Gemara says, like, it's very nice that you've made this principle, Mishnah, but what are you really adding in terms of, you know, giving us understanding that there's a principle, right? I said, oh, it's so wonderful. The Mishnah opens with a principle. And the Gemara says, oh, okay, but really, what's it telling us? Amar Rafram Bar Papa, you'll recognize his, names from the, his name from the Hadran at the end of every Masachet, right? The Bar Papa family are, are prominent there. So what happens is this case comes to include the case of the Ilonit. We've talked about the Ilonit, the person who does not ever seem to develop um, the signs of puberty, meaning even as an adult, and therefore is understood to be not capable of bearing children. 
right? So then the island herself does not have Yibum. And because she can't, she really is like excluded from Yibum, then her tsara, her co-wife, is also um, exempt from the need for Yibum. And that's like Ravasi. What did Ravasi say? That the tsara of an Ilonit, the co-wife of an Ilonit, is forbidden because the Ilonit herself is prohibited to the Avam. She remains in the Asian Ah category, uh, meaning her marriage was a marriage. She's just not eligible for, for Yibum. And therefore, the co-wife ends up being the co-wife of somebody who's got a prohibited relationship, meaning the Ilonit's relation to the guy who would otherwise be a Yavam, if she were not an Ilonit, she remains a prohibited uh, marriage partner because she's Eishan Ach, and she's Eishan Ach where Yibum cannot apply. So because of that, she excludes her co-wife as well, the same way that if she were like the mother of the wife of the, of the potential Yavam, meaning there's plenty of other forbidden relationships that could kick in, in the case of the Ilonit, the Yibum itself is excluded. The, the case of Yibum is excluded as a forbidden relationship. Obviously, there are other people who are going to understand Rav Papa differently, Rav from Bar Papa rather differently, um, but I'm going to leave it here. I want to move on to uh, the other case that gets discussed here, which is the Almana Lakoin Gadol, uh, which is the widow uh, to a high priest. So in other words, uh, let's say you have two brothers, right? Ruven and Shimon. Uh, Ruven, Shimon is the Kohen Gadol. Uh, Ruven dies uh, childless. Gadol brother, Shimon, actually, you know, uh, you know, has to do chalitza, um, but does not actually do uh, yibum with Ruven's uh, widow. And so the Gemara is going to explain a little bit why. Kapasik Vitani, right? So this, you know, halacha that we just learned that a widow basically can't become, go into Yibam marriage with a Kohen Gadol. It's just, it's taught. And there doesn't seem to be a difference whether it's from marriage or whether from what we would, you know, the Erosin, which I guess we would say is like betrothal. So we know that with the Jewish marriage ceremony, there's actually two parts. Today, we do both of them at the same time. Or traditionally, they actually were probably done about a year apart from each other. The Rusin, which is the part where gives a ring and the woman accepts that ring. Um, and then, you know, traditionally today we read the ketubah. Uh, there may be a speech in between or something like that. And then uh, we then do the Sheva Brachot. And that's really the Nisuin or the Kedushan part. So that first part with the ring is the Erosin and the second part is the Nisuin or Kedushan. Um, so traditionally that was done probably a year apart from each other. Today we do them in one ceremony. And so what the Gemara is commenting here is, is that this was a widow who was fully married to Ruvain, right? Like they even had, uh, the, the, the complete, both done, the Nisuin was done, or if it was just a Rusin, they just got through the first part, which means they don't actually enter into all, uh, into a full marriage, right? They don't live together. There's no sexual relationship yet. Uh, but would that also apply that even in that case, right, uh, you know, she that widow still would not be allowed to be a Yavama to. And so the Gemara is going to explain this a little bit more. So it makes sense from full marriage, right? Because there's an Asay and a Lotase. So what is this? The Asay is that in Vayikra chapter 21, uh, verse 13, it basically says the Kohen Gadol can only marry a virgin. So that's the Asay. It's a positive commandment. 
the Lotase refers to the next verse in that same chapter by Ikra, verse 14, that says a widowed or divorced one, the Kohen Gadol cannot take. So in other words, with the Nisuin, okay, there's an assay that he has to marry a virgin, and there's a Lotase, he can't marry So therefore, his brother's widow, the Kohen Gadol cannot do Yibam with. And a positive mitzvah, meaning of Yibam, right, can't override an, a Lotase and an Ase. Elamina Erusim, but if we're just talking about uh, that they were just, you know, completed that first part of a marriage, what we consider to be the complete marriage ceremony table, they just did exchange of the ring, right? Lotase Gredahu, right? So, um, uh, so there's only a prohibition, right? That she still is a virgin, right? The prohibition is he can't marry a widow. But the the piece of her being a, a virgin still remains. Yavo So in other words, in this case, why not say the positive commandment of Yibum should just come and override the lotase that the Kohen Gadol can't marry a widow? And so it's really it, it's an interesting question because it's saying if you have an, an ase and a lotase, it makes sense that just the ase alone of Yibum cannot override this. But if it's a case that they've only did a rusin, right, then the Kohen Gadol would be able to fulfill an ase and just have to override a lotase. We beginning a dapim. So what the Gemara does here is, and this is the piece that I sort of want to talk through because it's very, very lengthy and it actually continues on to the next step. So I'm actually going to read a piece from the next step is that it basically presents a, a few different answers of how to try to figure this out. So the first answer is from Rav Gidal, right? Where what Rav Gidal is is he basically I'm a Rav Gidal, I'm a Rav, I'm a Kabla Tayibamato, Ashara, right? That says the Yavama shall go to the gate of the elders, and basically this is from Pasukin's Varm, chapter twenty-five, verse seven, where she basically the Yavama says that the brother-in-law does not want to do Yibam, um, and and that's where we sort of learn some of the halachot. Of, of Chalitza. And so th- what Rav Gidal picks up on is it doesn't need to say Yivamto, right? His Yivama, because it's clear who it's talking about. So this extra Yivama is there to teach us that there's a case about a Yivama who goes for Chalitza but can't actually do Yibum. And it's a woman who uh, there would be a violation of a prohibition of a Lotase in order to fulfill this Asay. And that case could be the uh, a, a widow uh, of a of Erosin, right? A widow who only did Erosin, who then her Yavam would be a Kohen Gadol. So then the Gemara, you know, toys around with Rav Gidal's answer um, and, you know, uh, tries to figure out whether they totally like this answer um, or like this answer completely. Then we have a series of answers from, uh, from Rabbi. Um, and so uh, he tries to say that also a widow from Kedushin would be uh, would be forbidden to uh, to a coin by an ase, right? As well as allowed because what he does is he enters side by a rusin. He adds an extra element here, and he uses the, the Kedushim Yihiyu. He quotes a pasuk that says, "Yeah, there's like this extra pasuk that you should be kadosh, and so therefore, like it just kind of like wouldn't be proper according to this pasuk." 
So therefore, you know, that's kind of the assay here. So it really would be a case of an assay and a low assay, and therefore you couldn't do it. And the Gemara basically rejects that and says, well, you could basically say that about every, you know, low assay, that there's an assay attached to it of Kedoshim Yihiyu. Um, then it gives another answer, which is, okay, the Chachamim want to make sure that a widow from a Rusin can't do Yibum. Um, sometimes, I just want to make clear, sometimes they call a Rusin Kedushin here as well. So just to be clear with the, with the terms, but when you do the full ceremony, that's Nisuin, um, that, you know, can't do it because it may get confused that therefore a widow from Nisuin would be allowed to do Yibum. And they go back and forth and they sort of debate that. And then they have a fourth answer, which is Rabba answer, which is we don't we for we don't allow Yibum uh, because he could have a, a second Bia with her, which would be forbidden. So this is a little bit of a more uh, complicated um, answer here, but this goes back to what we've talked about before, right? You know, Bia, which is the actual, uh, you know, um, you know, act of a sexual relationship between uh, between two people, right? And so the issue here is, is that uh, what they, well, so we know that that's really all that actually happened to happen in order for Yibum to happen. Um, and so what he tries to say here is that even though the first time, right, that they would have a sexual relationship, the Yavama and the Yavam, it fulfills a positive mitzvah, okay? And it, which overrides the prohibition, right, of the Lotas say that she's a widow. Once that mitzvah is fulfilled, there's no longer any more positive mitzvah to do. And so then the Yavama would be prohibited because she actually was a widow. So therefore, in order to make sure that sort of there would never be sort of this second sexual encounter, they just said this is totally, you know, never going to be allowed. And actually, they just go straight to Chalitza. It's a very interesting answer. And I think, again, to me, at least speaks to the little piece of Yibum that I'm, well, not the little, of the many pieces of Yibum <laughs> uh, that I'm not entirely comfortable with. Because basically, this basically draws attention to that this is really what, what is essential for Yibum. Um, and then so Rava retracts that. He says, that's not wrong. And he goes back to the whole discussion we have with Rish Luckies previously that an assay can override a lab if basically you can't fulfill both, right? And so what we basically say back to Rav is, okay, but she can do it just through chalitza. And so the fascinating piece here is, and then I know this is taking us to the top of uh, actually Chav Aleph, Ahmed Aleph, but again, I want to just sort of like wrap up um, this, this whole uh, uh, discussion here is that essentially the conclusion um, that they come to here is about and I'm sure this is, this is something that we will discuss later that chalitza when it's in place of yibum is not a fulfillment of the mitzvah and so what the Gemara here is trying to say is within this discussion but I think this is a key and they, they just say the line and then they like move on to the next discussion basically about uh, which we'll talk about tomorrow about the secondary arayos but what we have been talking about Yibum and Chalitza as sort of like equal. It's like either you do Yibum or you're going to do Chalitza. And the Gemara's conclusion at the end of all of this is, is that actual Chalitza is not in, it, it, Chalitza really is not it, it, it in place of Yibum. You're not actually fulfilling the mitzvah of Yibum. They're two totally separate mitzvahs. 
there's a mitzvah of yibum. There's also a mitzvah of chalitza. There's a choice which one you're going to do, but don't articulate it as it's chalitza in place of yibum. And so I thought that this line, which comes sort of at the end of this very, very lengthy discussion to try to unpack the case of uh, the widow who only did a rusin to the Kohen Gadol, we get this real nugget here about Yibam, which is basically telling us don't equate Chalitza as, you know, replacing Yibam. They're actually two totally different things. And so this is a line I'm sort of going to keep in the back of my head because I have a feeling it's going to become relevant as we go through this Masachad when we start to unpack more about what exactly the essence of Chalitza is. They're really two different ways, two different uh, halachic pathways that are separate, that allows us to fulfill a particular or to resolve a particular situation, but don't think that one is in replace of the other. I think that there's something kind of, I don't know, reassuring about how they're really going through each and every permutation that we might want to consider in terms of these implications of these prohibited relationships, meaning it's not any, the whole of Masachet Yavamot attests to this, right? It is never taken in a cavalier way. And, you know, making sure that this dynamic, the Yibum dynamic does not happen in any number of different cases. It's not just like, oh yeah, sure, anytime a brother dies and leaves a brother childless, da da da, that you'll have this. No, no, they're much more cautious than that. And I don't think I really thought about that until today. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us, and all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and our Talking Town on Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 